OSHA announces they will be putting their unconstitutional vax mandate on hold as cases spike in heavily vaccinated states. The Kyle Rittenhouse trial hits another speed bump, and Democrats vote to censure a Republican congressman for an anime cartoon. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you know, the reality is that if you have a bunch of stuff and you are taking it through TSA, why wouldn't you have some sort of privacy lock on your stuff, right? You never know who's looking through your stuff. And why exactly would you be online without any sort of protection for your internet activity? You know how much information that is valuable you are passing online from your credit cards to your emails? Well, you really should protect that activity with ExpressVPN. When you go online without a VPN, internet service providers can see every single website you visit, and then they can legally sell that information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who use the data to target you. Plus, hackers have access to it if you're using public Wi-Fi. So use ExpressVPN to protect yourself the same way that I do. You can browse more anonymously because when you use ExpressVPN, ISPs cannot see your online activity. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. Your data is also encrypted for maximum protection. It's easy to use. You can fire up the app, click one button, and now you are protected and it works on all your devices. So secure your online activity the same way I do. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. You can get an extra three months for free. Expressvpn.com slash Ben. All righty. So yesterday, OSHA suspended its VAX mandate. They did so because the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals had essentially put a hold on it. They said that there were serious constitutional and statutory issues with the OSHA vaccine mandate. You'll remember that that mandate was set to kick into place at the beginning of January. And it said that if you had over 100 employees, you had to force your employees to vax, test, or be fired. That was the mandate. And we, at The Daily Wire, we filed maybe the first case, first lawsuit against it in the nation, certainly the first lawsuit at the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. Well, now there are cases right now in all 12 circuits. Those are going to be consolidated and sent over to the Sixth Circuit after there was a little bit of a lottery. They actually used lottery balls to pick which circuit would get to consolidate the cases were in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. That's our case, which means that the Daily Wire is now leading the case for the nation against OSHA. Now, the hold that's been put on is a victory for the moment. When I say for the moment, I mean that the Biden administration says that they will continue to force the OSHA vax mandate the minute that a court says that it's okay for them to do so. However, this, that's why this is the first step. That's why it's important to help support us here at Daily Wire in pushing back against the vax mandate because this will be adjudicated by a panel for the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. Then it will likely be appealed over to the Supreme Court. So this is just the beginning of the battle. And we are calling on all other businesses to do what we have done. So we at Daily Wire said day one, we would not comply with this unconstitutional vaccine mandate. We are not going to do it from the get-go. And a lot of businesses, they said, well, you know, maybe you can afford that or maybe you're willing to undertake that risk, but we are not because obviously the federal government can come after us. So we will attempt to comply with the VAX mandate, even though it has not yet gone fully into force. Well, now it's not in force at all. And so if you're a freedom-minded business, do not make it easy for the federal government by doing what the federal government wants you to do. Instead, stand up for the freedom of your employees. That is what we've done at Daily Wire. That's what we're pushing everybody to do. Head on over to dailywire.com right now and sign our petition. The, the way that it works is that OSHA has a, a hearing period for all of their regulations, not the emergency temporary standards they're trying to use here, but their actual regulatory standards. And so we hope to submit to them a million signatures in support of the idea that this VAX mandate is a bad idea through the regulatory process. So you can go help us out right now doing that. Well, here's the thing. As time moves forward and as we see how the, how the VAX mandates are playing out across the nation, what we are seeing 
is that infections are still spiking in heavily vaccinated states. This is not a case against the vaccine. As I've said before, the vaccine is very good at preventing hospitalization and death, which is typically what we care about. The problem is that for the left-leaning media, for the Democrats, they have boxed themselves in. They have suggested that the only way to end the pandemic is if no one gets infected. That's never going to happen. What what really should end the pandemic is the fact that vaccines were available. Now you could protect yourself. Within the next month, we're going to have therapeutics that are as protective as the vaccine in some cases, according to the new studies that are coming out. There's a, a therapeutic from Pfizer. It's a pill that if you take it within a couple of days of being diagnosed with COVID, it knocks out the death rates to zero. Okay, so with all that in play, this is over. Okay, we are done now. There should be no public policy push with regard to any of this stuff once people can protect themselves. If you choose not to be protected, that is a you problem. And if you are protected, what everybody else does is none of your business at this point because we are not reaching herd immunity. Everybody understands we are not reaching herd immunity. When herd immunity was in sight, when there was an idea that if we got 80% of the population vaxxed, that would end all infections because the R would drop before below one and then no one would be passing this thing on. Then at least you had the argument. But herd immunity is not a thing. It is not a thing with this virus. And this is going to become endemic. Everybody understands that. Endemic just means that it is going to continue passing through the population for long periods of time. And you can see it in state after state after state. Right now, for example, Michigan has the most COVID cases in the nation. Michigan also is one of the more vaccinated states in the nation. According to the latest data, Michigan has over 50,000 new COVID cases in the past week. That comes out to 503.8 cases per 100,000. Minnesota is second with 490 cases. New Mexico has 462 cases. So um, you, you will notice there that all three of those states are blue. We were told that only red states get COVID because red states are evil, but that's not the case. The last time Michigan led the nation was in April when the state encountered the largest surge of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we know why this is happening. The answer is this is happening because people are going indoors because it's getting cold in Michigan. It's that simple. In the past three weeks, Henry Ford Health System says its hospital system has seen a 60% rise in the number of patients hospitalized with COVID. According to one of the doctors over there, they have 330 patients with COVID hospitalized across five hospitals, another 35 patients with COVID or suspected covid Apparently, most of those hospitalized with COVID-19 are not vaccinated. Okay, well, that I'm sure is true because you're much more likely to be hospitalized with COVID if you're unvaccinated by the statistics. What that does not mean is that you cannot pass this thing on if you are vaccinated to other people who are vaccinated. Right now, what we have seen is that the vaccines are not particularly durable in terms of preventing reinfection. They're durable in preventing hospitalization and death. And now it is up to you. It is up to you. And none of the people on the left seem to want to recognize this. So what is the point of the OSHA vaccine mandate? If the idea of the OSHA vaccine mandate is we have to prevent this thing from being passed, well, the vaccine itself does not prevent in toto all of this virus from being passed. There's a a somewhat lower rate of passing the virus if you are vaccinated versus if you are unvaccinated. But it is not a completely lower rate, which is why you would see outbreaks in heavily vaccinated areas. For example, Ireland right now is a 93% vaxxed country. They reimposed COVID restrictions anyway because there was a massive uptick in the number of COVID cases. Here's a member of the health service explaining that. As a society, we need to look out for each other. 93% of the adult population are fully vaccinated. We have over 600 people in hospital at the moment, and roughly around half of those are unvaccinated. The evidence is absolutely clear, and tonight I would join with all of our healthcare professionals in urging people who have not yet received 
the vaccine to please take it up. Now, again, urging people to take the vaccine is not a terrible thing. Forcing people to take the vaccine is a very different thing. You're seeing the same thing in Vermont, by the way. Vermont has the highest vaccination rate in the country and cases are surging over there. According to ABC News, in Vermont, nearly 72% of residents are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. At the same time, it has the 12th highest rate of new COVID cases over the last week, according to state data. And in the country right now, we have a major surge in COVID cases. Now, I don't care about COVID cases. You shouldn't care about COVID cases. You should only care about hospitalizations and deaths. And at this point, you should really only care about whether you and your family are protected and whether your neighbors are protected and whether they also have the freedom to determine whether they are protected. And those are the factors. You do not get to tell your neighbor how to protect themselves. You do get to protect yourself how you wish to protect yourself. And yet we still have the Biden administration attempting to cram down these mandates. The seven-day average for COVID-19 cases rose 42% as of Tuesday, according to state data in Vermont. And the state positivity rate also increased 30%. So what we are seeing is that even heavily vaccinated areas are still seeing a pretty significant uptick in COVID. By the way, you know where they are having very few COVID cases? Down here in Florida. Why? Because it already passed through the population and it's nice outside. This is not complicated. The lowest state in terms of current case, case average over the last seven days, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas. That is not a coincidence. All four of those states got clocked over the summer in terms of number of people who were getting this. It was very hot outside. People were going indoors. Some people were getting reinfected. Some people who were unvaccinated were dying. But right now, which states are getting clocked? It's Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Hampshire, Vermont. Yes, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Basically, anywhere it is cold. Anywhere people are going indoors. This is not a shock. And yet the, the Biden administration continues to push forward with this notion that they're going to mandate on you and on your employer that you get the vax. Here's the thing. Democrats are in a tailspin right now and they don't know which way to turn. Because one thing they do understand is that Americans are very tired of this. How tired are Americans of this? They're so tired that in Washington, D.C., which is bluer than blue, in Washington, D.C. is the bluest area in America. Muriel Bowser, the mayor, just came out and said she's going to get rid of the masking mandates at local stores. Why? Because business owners who are going to contribute to her mayoral campaign said, we're not going to contribute unless you allow us to do our business. And of course, you have other Democrats who are attacking Mayor Bowser now. So you have the head of the D.C. City Council, Phil Mendelson, writing a letter to Muriel Bowser saying that they want to reinstate the mask mandate. They say, we, even the White House will maintain its mask mandate. We urge you to reverse your decision to drop the mask mandate. We are concerned that changing course entering the winter months, not to mention the week before a major travel holiday, is not a prudent course of action. It sends a, sig a signal that public health concerns are back to normal when they are not. Our focus should be on getting every eligible person vaccinated, not gambling with the safety of the most vulnerable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Democrats are stuck between a rock and a hard place. And here is the thing. There are significant costs to the lockdown policies that have been attempted by blue states and blue cities. And one statistic that might be worth noting is we've had about 700,000 deaths from COVID over the course of the last year. And over the course of the last year, more than 100,000 Americans died from drug overdoses. 100,000. That is from April of last year to April of this year. According to the New York Times, in that 12-month period, more than 100,000 Americans died of overdoses, up almost 30% from the 78,000 deaths in the prior year. That figure marks the first time the number of overdose deaths in the U.S. has exceeded 100,000 per year, more than the toll of car crashes and gun fatalities combined. Overdose deaths have more than doubled since 2015. By the way, this does give the lie to the notion that more government aid prevents overdose deaths. 
We had more government aid in the last year than any time in American history, bar none. And overdose deaths spiked. Why? Because when you destroy people's sense of community, their ability to reach out to other human beings, they stay home and they get high and they do drugs. And many of them die. Administration officials said on Wednesday they will expand access to medications like, like naloxone, which can reverse an opioid overdose by encouraging states to pass laws that will make it more widely available and promoting its use by Americans. But the, the COVID pandemic accelerated this. And really the response to the COVID pandemic accelerated this. Overdose deaths related to use of stimulants like meth, coke, and natural and semi-synthetic opioids also increased during the 12-month period. So it's not just fentanyl here. The vast majority of those deaths, 70% were among men between the age of 25 and 54. There were regional variations in the death counts, but the largest year-over-year increase is exceeding 50% in states including California. Vermont increased 85% during the reporting period. You saw some poorer areas like Tennessee, Louisiana, Mississippi, West Virginia, Kentucky that had a pretty major uptick as well. But you also saw increases of 40% in Washington State, Oregon, Nevada, Colorado, Minnesota, Alaska, Nebraska, Virginia, and the Carolinas. Okay, so it turns out that shutting down the entire country has some pretty dire side effects. And Americans know this. And Democrats are about to pay the political price for all of this which is why Governor Ron DeSantis has not been doing this the whole time. Governor DeSantis in Florida, he just pushed through a bunch of anti-mask mandate and vax mandate proposals in the state of Florida. According to the New York Times, early this year, Governor Ron DeSantis crisscrossed Florida promoting COVID vaccines, visiting retiree communities and hospitals, celebrating people who got their shots. But it was a remarkably different picture this week when Florida's Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez was a prominent speaker at a rally organized by anti-vax activists on the state capitol steps. Well, no, she she was there not fighting in the vax. She was there fighting vax mandates. Full disclosure, I'm very friendly with both Governor DeSantis and Jeanette Nunez, who's a wonderful lieutenant governor. But, says the New York Times, the jarring scene gave vaccine skeptics in Florida a big win and moved the state further away from the guidance of federal public officials. Perhaps no state has been more aggressive than Florida, where Mr. DeSantis and his allies are betting that anger over public health restrictions that drove Republicans to the polls in Virginia, New Jersey, and other states will grow their political base and keep voters fervently engaged. The Republicans passed four bills on Wednesday to curtail mask and vax mandates, the culmination of a three-day special legislative session that Mr. DeSantis called so swiftly it caught even Republican leaders by surprise. The session was urgently needed to combat federal government overreach, said DeSantis, which of course is true. The federal government is mandating that businesses do what the federal government wants them to do. The state of Florida is saying, well, no, we're just going to fight back against that. And now we're not going to allow you to do what the federal government is telling you to do, creating a conflict of law situation that frees businesses to do essentially what they want. And this is I love how The New York Times proposes that this is all about being anti-vax in Florida. If you look at the vaccination rates by state in America, Florida is right in the middle of the pack. This this bizarre, idiotic notion that Florida is somehow like on the low end of vaccination rates is totally crazy. It's not true. I'm looking right now at the at the rate of full vaccination by state. Okay, and let's look at age 65. Let's start with age 65. If you look at the percentage of people who are vaccinated above the age of 65, Florida has 93.2%, this is according to the Mayo Clinic, 93.2% of all people in Florida above the age of 65, this is a really old state, by the way, are vaccinated. Of people aged 18 to 64, almost 70% are vaccinated. 67.1% are vaccinated. 
By the way, those are better numbers than a huge number of blue states, including, by the way, Michigan. Even among people 12 to 17, almost 50% of Florida residents aged 12 to 17 are fully vaccinated. And if you look at the numbers on one-dose vaccinations, if you look at the number of people who have gotten at least one dose, you're looking at 99.9% of all people aged over 65 have one dose of the vaccine in Florida. And 78% of Floridians between 18 and 64 have the vaccine. So you're seeing the media trying to proclaim that this is all about how Florida doesn't want people to vaccinate. It's a lie. It's just not true because they are damned liars. Florida just would like you to retain your freedoms. Okay, and we here at The Daily Wire would also like you to retain your freedom. So please go sign our petition over at dailywire.com because we are fighting back against this garbage. And you should be too. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to the latest in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, which once again is going sideways. Major boo-boo by the prosecution. We'll get to that in just one second. First, we'd love to welcome some friends and sponsors back to the show just in time for the holidays. We're talking about Vincero Collective. If you don't know Vincero yet, they're a small team based out of San Diego. They provide today's most ambitious people with premium watches and lifestyle accessories. They've got eye-catching designs, quality craftsmanship you can feel in your hand. They've got incredible pieces sure to become staples in your wardrobe and beyond. So I'm a watch guy, right? I love watches. But if you're not going to spend 10 grand for a watch and you just want a really nice looking watch, Vincero is the place to go. Like, look at this. This is a really nice looking timepiece. It really is a great looking timepiece. And it's really durable. I've gotten Vincero as gifts for friends and family for years. I just got my wife some Vincero sunglasses as well. No matter who you are shopping for, Vincero has a collection and colorway for everyone, making it easy to find a great gift for that special someone. So don't wait. Now is the time to take advantage of Vincero's Black Friday sale. It is their biggest of the year. Head on over to VinceroCollective.com slash Shapiro. Check out our favorite picks. Take advantage of their exclusive Black Friday sale. Here at The Daily Wire, we stand firmly behind Vincero Collective, the products they sell, brand they've built, values they stand for. You don't need to take my word for it. With over 30,000 five-star reviews, Vincero offers you an excellent shopping experience you can trust. And they've got a five-year guarantee and 365-day free return policy. So you really have nothing to lose. Support our show. Do yourself a favor. Check out Vincero Collective. You're going to be super happy once you do. Even better, for a limited time, you can take advantage of up to 30% off all items in your order. Plus, free shipping as part of their Black Friday sale. It's the perfect opportunity to get yourself or a loved one a gift they won't forget. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O collective.com forward slash Shapiro, VinceroCollective.com, forward slash Shapiro, and thank me later. Alrighty, so the Rittenhouse trial continues to undergo deliberation. It is insane to me that we are still deliberating about this case. I say we, I mean the jury. This case is the most clear-cut case of self-defense I've ever seen in my life. But there, uh, the, the judge yesterday correctly blasted the media for their misinformation about the trial. Here's what the judge had to say. Some of the other misinformation about the case that is widespread and you gentlemen are as aware of it as I am. Um, now they had uh, some people f- uh, in the Milwaukee Journal, I, I think I read it, said it was un- uh, odd, I think was the word, but I didn't rule on the motion to dismiss. I haven't even had a chance to read the motion to dismiss. I just got it yesterday. And I really think before I rule on a motion, I should let the state respond. So why anyone would think that it's odd for the judge to sit on a motion to dismiss, I have no idea. Okay, so the media coverage in the case has been absolutely bizarre. He is exactly right about that and politically driven. Well, yesterday, the prosecution ran directly into a buzzsaw because it turns out that the prosecution handed over a badly pixelated version of the drone footage. Remember, there was drone footage of the the first shooting of Joseph Rosenbaum by Kyle Rittenhouse. And it turns out that the prosecution had that for a long time. And finally, when they turned it over, it was a badly pixelated version of the video. 
According to Breitbart, the dispute involved several videos, especially a high-definition video the prosecution used in closing arguments on Friday, which had not been provided to the defense, which received only a low-res version. The defense moved for a mistrial Tuesday on that basis. ADA John Krause told the judge the prosecution had not intentionally withheld video evidence from the defense, but there was an accidental compression involved in moving video between iPhone and Android devices. The person who took the footage, according to Krause, had earlier provided it to Rittenhouse's former attorney, John Pierce, who had shown it last year on the Tucker Carlson show on Fox News. When it was emailed to the defense, there was a compression, he said, which had not been deliberate. He said um, he had no idea how to compress the files. The defense countered the files appeared to be different, and the metadata accompanying the video appeared different. The defense also said the video provided to Tucker Carlson was different as it was black and white. The prosecutor's video was in color. That had not been the problem, but rather the superior quality of the prosecution's video. Defense lawyer Mark Richard said, at this point, Your Honor, they've not requested what we're fighting about. You're correct, the judge replied. Earlier on Wednesday, the jury did send a question to the judge about whether it would be permitted to review video evidence in the courtroom or in private. So that came in late yesterday afternoon. Okay, so the prosecutors tried to claim that it was just a technical glitch. The defense said that this video evidence was compressed by the prosecution and passed over to them in order to deceive them, which wouldn't be a shock because there have been serious evidentiary questions throughout. Here is a, the defense making that argument. The one that was provided to the state's crime lab that attorney Binger gave me a copy of on Saturday had a very long convoluted title that involves lots of letters and numbers that are the type that are usually associated with files taken from a drone because they indicate a lot of different information like the location of the drone and the time. The file I received originally on Friday the 5th was not labeled that same and was not the same file amount. There's no way that what ADA Krause is saying is true because the file name would not have changed if my computer was compressing anything. It was a different file that we were provided from what was provided to the state, at least for what Attorney Binger gave me on Saturday. They're completely different. Okay, meanwhile, the prosecution admitted there was a technical glitch, but they said it was just a technical glitch, no biggie. The, the defense, by the way, is arguing that one of the reasons the prosecution did this is because they were looking for a mistrial, because this is going so badly for them. I think we're focusing on too heavily on, I guess, a technological glitch, and less on the, and we should be focusing that this exhibit was played. The jury is asking to see an ex exhibits that they have seen. They didn't know about this video. They've tried to find it just as we did. We found it and there was a technological glitch. Or not a glitch, but I guess a, it worked in a way that is designed that we were not aware of. And I do not believe a technical reality, shall we say, or a an unknown technical incident should result in a mistrial. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. Okay, meanwhile, the media continue their habit of, of drawing the most bizarre narratives out of this case. Farhad Manju, who somehow has finagled a column at the New York Times, which is amazing because truly is there is a running battle between the members of the New York Times editorial board about which one of them is the worst columnist. Farhad Manju is definitely near the top of the list. I think it goes like Charles Blow, Paul Krugman, Farhad Manju, but he's climbing the list each and every day. Uh, he had a piece yesterday in which he argued that the, the big problem in the Kyle Rittenhouse case was the gun. Not the people rioting in the streets, attacking the guy with the gun, the gun. 
According to Farhad Manju, the lead prosecutor, Thomas Binger, offered a meticulously documented closing argument that deftly summarized all the ways Rittenhouse acted unlawfully. We'll see if the jury buys it. But to me, Binger's argument had a power beyond this case. That's because it cleverly unraveled some of the foundational tenets of gun advocacy, that guns are effective and necessary weapons of self-defense. Well, I, I'm not sure how that was unraveled, considering that Rittenhouse would probably be dead today, or at the very least in a coma in a hospital, if, um, if he had not had a gun. He says that without them, lawlessness and tyranny would prevail. Lawlessness and tyranny did prevail in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And that in the right hands, in the hands of the good guys, guns promote public safety rather than destroying it. Well, I mean, they do. There just weren't enough guns there in the hands of the good guys. There was one good guy with a gun, Kyle Rittenhouse in this particular case, up against an entire riotous mob, one of whom was a child molester trying to attack him, another of whom was a convicted criminal who was trying to attack him with a skateboard, and a third of whom was approaching him with his own gun. But says Farhad Manju, in the Rittenhouse case, none of that was true. At every turn that night, Rittenhouse's AR-15-style semi-automatic rifle made things worse, ratcheting up danger rather than quelling it. The gun transformed situations that might have ended in black eyes and broken bones into ones that ended with corpses in the street. Well, whose fault is that? The people attacking the guy with the gun or the guy with the gun? But, you know, the left must have its narratives. So we'll continue to keep an eye on uh, the jury in that particular case. Honestly, I'm, I'm shocked they still have not come back in. At this point. Okay, meanwhile, the other big controversy of the day that broke out yesterday was a controversy over Paul Gosar. Paul Gosar is the rather nutty congressperson from Arizona who has hobnobbed with some of the worst derelicts uh, on, the, on the political ultra right, you know, the, the sort of white supremacist adjacent crowd. Like Paul Gosar has, has hung out with some pretty bad folks. I am no Paul Gosar fan, but the House attempting to censure Gosar for what they're attempting to censure him for is. Pretty wild, and, and what's more wild is that they attempted to strip him of his committee assignments. And they did yesterday. A Democratic House has now been stripping Republicans of their committee assignments, which is a pretty big violation of the way that this stuff usually works. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, I gotta tell you about one of the best gifts I ever got my parents. So my parents out in their garage for years just had boxes of old film reels, boxes of old pictures, boxes of, of old VHS tapes of us as kids, and it was just sitting there doing nothing. And so I went over to their house, to their garage, and I took all that stuff. I loaded it up into a legacy box. I sent it into legacy box and legacy box returned all of that material along with the digitization of all of that old footage, all those old film reels, et cetera. It's great. They can access it. They made copies of it for the entire family. And it really is wonderful to be able to access those memories at any point in time. And also know that if God forbid the garage floods, those memories aren't gone. They're right there on a thumb drive. And that's what legacy box can do for you. Each item is hand digitized by a team of over 200 trained technicians right here in the U.S., their exclusive barcoded online tracking system provides up to 12 emailed updates along the way. Legacy Box has been the industry leader in professionally digitizing family memories for over a decade. More than a million people have used them. Each kit includes everything you need to safely pack and send your recorded moments. Legacy Box right now is giving our listeners early access to their Black Friday sale. Visit LegacyBox.com Shapiro to unlock an exclusive discount for our Black Friday sale. That is LegacyBox.com Shapiro for their best deal of the year. LegacyBox.com Shapiro. Okay, so... Now we move to Congress, where, as always, idiocy reigns. So Paul Gosar, as I've said, is uh, not a good congressperson. He is a, uh, he is a rather nutty character, to say the absolute least. He put out on Twitter an anime video. Okay, this anime video has now become subject to controversy because it was taken as an actual death threat against Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Here's the anime video.
Okay, so it's just images of people at the border, and then an anime character flying through the air. And, um, and then people riding ATVs near the border and helicopters near the border. And the anime video shows this, this Paul Gosar anime character attacking with swords, a figure which appears to be like a half-naked male with, uh, with the face of Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and then jumping toward the face of Joe Biden with anime swords. That, that, this, is, this is what they're talking about. Okay, can I just say that anybody who takes this as an actual death threat against AOC is out of their mind? Like, I'm sorry, you're, you're crazy. If you think that's an actual death threat against AOC, you're a crazy person. As somebody who's received their fair share of death threats, I can safely say that in no way would I see something like this and think, oh, that's, that's a legit death threat. That's somebody who's trying to kill me. I could say, yeah, I'm offended. It's really stupid. It's literally an anime meme video. And Gosar, is, he's like a an somewhat elderly dude who likes to hang out with the meme crowd, like the alt-right meme crowd. And, um, and yet this was taken as, a, as an actual death threat against Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and Joe Biden, which is wild. Okay, it's, it's kind of an insane thing. So here is uh, Paul Gosart defending himself. Again, he's a wild dude. For this cartoon, some in, car- in Congress suggest I should be punished. I have said decisively, there is no threat in the cartoon other than the threat to Im- the immigration poses to our country. And no threat was intended by my staff or me. The American people deserve to have their voices heard in Congress. No matter how much the left tries to quiet me, I will continue to speak out against amnesty for illegal aliens. If I must join Alexander Hamilton, the first person attempted to be censored by this house, so be it. It is done. Okay, so is he a hero for tweeting it out? No. Is it a stupid meme? Yes. But here's the thing. The entire Democratic Party responds to this as though he has actively threatened AOC's life. So you get Nancy Pelosi out there blasting Gosar and saying, we can't have members joking about murdering each other. This is this is where you draw the line. Like on, on the anime video, that, that's that's this is what you're going to blow up Congress over. Uh, okay, Nancy, sure. These threats specifically target a woman, a woman of color, which is part, as the resolution states, a global phenomenon meant to silence women and discourage them for seeking positions of authority and participating in public life. Disguising death threats against a member of Congress and a president of the United States. Is an an, in an animated video does not make those death threats any less real or less serious. That's absurd. She's an absurd and human indeed, being. Conveying them this way makes them potentially more dangerous by normalizing violence. It's more dangerous. It isn't. She's funny. a crazy person. I'm sorry. She's crazy. Like, first of all, did Secret Service investigate Paul Gosar over that? Did Secret Service investigate Paul Gosar? Were they like, man, that's a serious death threat. Let's get our, we gotta get the group together and go raid his house. Making an anime video is more serious. And the suggestion is that he's attacking AOC because she's a woman of color. Is Joe Biden a woman of color? You don't have to explain that one. Maybe the reason he's attacking AOC like as a politician. Again, I think the video is stupid. I think members of Congress shouldn't be putting that stuff out. But let's stop pretending that that is like a full death threat. Come the, come on, come on. Again, as a recipient of actual death threats, I can tell you, nope, that one ain't even the ballpark. And there's this bizarre, crazy idea that that it's about AOC's race and sex is, again, nuts. 
The reason, presumably, that he's angry with AOC is because she is an amnesty first crazy person who has been treated as the the light of the left. She's very famous. The left has made her famous. They're the ones who propped her up. This is the game the left always plays. You can't attack Kamala Harris. She's a black woman. Well, you're the ones who put her in a position of prominence because of who she is. They're like, what? It's so weird. Okay, so then AOC gets up and she does the the woe is me routine. And, and now AOC is going to lecture us about the nature of, of rhetoric in politics, AOC, because she's never used inflammatory rhetoric at all. I mean, she's one of the most eloquent, well-spoken, soft-spoken, subtle artists in the rhetorical space, AOC. It is sad. It is a sad day in which a member who leads a political party in the United States of America cannot bring themselves to say that issuing a depiction of murdering a member of Congress is wrong. (gasps) And instead decides to venture off into a tangent about gas prices and inflation. What is so hard? What is so hard about saying that this is wrong? Okay, so this is coming from the same group of people. She voted literally in favor of not funding Iron Dome, which helps Hamas. So yeah, or actually she, actually she abstained and then she cried about it on the House floor. Yeah, the, the, she's, yeah, AOC. I, I think, do you think this is real? I just have a question. You think this is real? I usually don't doubt the sincerity of political actors talking about how hurt they are. But um, as somebody, again, who has received more death threats than virtually anybody in American public life, I can tell you, no, no on that. That is completely insincere. It is a ginned up nonsense. She said, I've seen the other members of this party advance the argument, including Representative Gosar himself. The illusion that this was just a joke. The illusion it's an anime video. I'm confused. How is that not a joke? Have you ever like thrown out an anime video as a very serious point in a debate? Like in a budget debate, do people normally just throw out anime videos of themselves? Badly pixelated their faces onto anime characters? The illusion that this was just a joke. I love when they pretend they don't understand jokes. That what we say and what we do does not matter so long as we claim a lack of meaning. Now this nihilism runs deep, says AOC. It conveys and betrays a certain contempt for the meaning and importance of our work here. Okay, let me not betray um, a, a lack of contempt for it. I have contempt for the meaning of your work here. All of you, all of you in Congress, I think that you're basically useless. I think you do nothing for a living and get paid on the tax paradigm and then claim that you're changing the world while wrecking America's fiscal future. So let me just put that one out there. But it betrays contempt for the meaning of the work that we do here. That's what we do. So long as we claim it's a joke, it doesn't matter. That's what we say, that what we say here doesn't matter. That our actions every day as elected leaders don't matter. And I am here to rise to say it does. She said, our work here matters. Our example matters. There's meaning in our service. Vomit. Come on. You don't have to like Paul Gosar or or even like that he tweeted out a dumb meme to understand that's not a death threat that violates the sanctity of the United States Congress. And these people are so irritating. You're making me defend Paul Gosar now. What the f- wrong with you people? Seriously, what? It- okay, so Peter Mayer, who is uh, a congressperson from Michigan, he said, as someone who has faced death threats and had a senior party official reference my assassination, I take political violence seriously. Representative Gosar disgraced himself with his actions leading up to January 6th. He's disgraced himself further by associating with anti-Semites and Holocaust deniers. 
Sadly, disgracing oneself with anti-Jewish associates isn't a rare occurrence for a handful of my colleagues on either side of the aisle. But today's vote wasn't about these actions. It was about a dumb anime clip. The last censure of a member of Congress was in 2010. Today, Democratic leadership did not present an objective articulate standard for censure in the absence of an ethics committee ruling or a formal legal action. Representative Gostar's conduct has been contemptible, and calling that video a death threat is an unreasonable exaggeration that ignores why political violence is such a threat. Leaders embracing authoritarian lies. The American people deserve a Congress that functions according to reason, not emotion. Correct. Correct. But we all have to pretend to be deeply offended by, by Gosar's anime video. I, I'm offended by you being offended. Honest to God. Sack up. Okay, meanwhile, it, well, you know, like when it comes to censure, first of all, m- half of Congress should have been cens- censured by this point. But what the Democrats did is they removed Gosar's committee assignments. Now, I think there's a good case that Gosar shouldn't have committee assignments, but that has to come from inside the Republican caucus. That doesn't come from the Democratic caucus. There's a basic rule. Republicans name Republican members of committees and Democrats name Democrat members of committees. It's been broken now. Democrats have said that they will throw people like Marjorie Taylor Greene off committees. So get ready for the, to reap the whirlwind. Here's Kevin McCarthy saying, listen, you guys want to play this game? Next time we're in power, we are going to dump all you guys from your committee assignments. What they have started cannot be easily undone. Their actions today and the past have forever changed the way the House operates. It means that the minority rights that have served this body as well are the things of the past. And furthermore, it means that under the Pelosi president, all the members that I have mentioned earlier will need the approval of a majority to keep those positions in the future. Okay, in one, he's right. In one second, we're going to get to uh, Lauren Boebert, who, honestly, like Lauren Boebert just went hard after other members of Congress, and I'm here for it. I'm really here for it. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, if you're a homeowner who's been focused on your budget, focused on your future, focused on finding the right option to save money, I have something for you to consider, a mortgage refinance. It's a strategic approach. It makes a lot of sense for a lot of people since rates remain near all-time lows, making it a great time to call American Financing. Learn about custom loan options that can save you up to 1000 bucks a month. That's right, every month. They do more than just lower your rate. They look at your entire financial picture, finding every way to help you save. No pressure, no obligation, no upfront or hidden fees. So why not learn more? They'll give you a free mortgage review. You might skip two payments if you choose to move forward. So right now, the mortgage rates are at serious historic lows. I don't think they're going to stay that way forever. I think mortgage rates are going to rise in the near future because, frankly, inflation is going to force a tapering at the Fed. That that tapering at the Fed is going to force banks to give loans at higher rates, and that's going to force up the mortgage rates. So if you want like a low mortgage rate for your refi, now is the best time. Pre-qualify for free by calling 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, Go check them out right now. All righty, in just one second, we'll get to Lauren Boebert going hard after other members of Congress. And honest to God, slow clap. We'll get to that in a moment. First, big news, the Biden administration announced yesterday it is suspending the implementation and enforcement of their authoritarian mandate for large employers. Daily Wire was first in the nation to file suit. We couldn't be happier to be at the forefront of the fight against Biden's assault on our businesses, our bodies, and our private health decisions. However, there are a lot of businesses who will continue enforcing mandates. Our victory means nothing unless those businesses do the right thing. They need to stop. We understand. Listen, we get it. We know that federal rules, federal threats are an attempt to make you comply, but those rules are not in place right now. Do not make the government's job easy. If you're an employee, your company should not force you to take a vaccine you don't want. Don't let them hide behind the vaccine mandate because it ain't in place. Unless we lose, no one has to comply. 
and we're not going to lose. The fight is just getting started and we are going to win. So sign our petition against Biden's vaccine mandate over at dailywire.com slash do not comply to send a message to the Biden administration that Americans don't just do whatever you tell them to do. Over 600,000 people have already signed the petition. The more signatures we get, the louder the message. That's why we're aiming to get to a million signatures. We want to submit that to OSHA during their hearing period for their new regulations. Head on over to dailywire.com slash do not comply to sign the petition today. Also, if you haven't yet signed up to Matt Walsh's newsletter, I highly suggest you do. Not only will you be getting a piece of Matt's mind delivered to your inbox every Friday, you'll be automatically entered into the running for his beloved banjo. As you all know, Matt is just a banjo expert. You probably admired it once or twice on his show. That's right. The instrument belonging to a very real banjo-picking legend could be yours. Hurry, because if you don't sign up by Saturday, the incredibly lucky winner who gets Matt's banjo will not be you. Head on over to dailywire.com slash banjo to subscribe to Matt's newsletter. It's always full of the best writing besides my own and get entered to win his gorgeous banjo. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Alrighty, so Lauren Boebert, the congresswoman from Colorado, she was having none of this. Uh, she got up on the floor of the house and she's like, okay, so let me get this straight. Paul Gosar got censured, not for any of the anti-Semitic hangings out or any of his prior bizarre statements, but for an anime meme. And um, should we sum up what some members of this Congress have done wrong? Lauren Boebert just bringing the hammer. Good for her. I mean, honestly. Since the speaker has designated the floor to discuss members' inappropriate actions, shall we? The Jihad Squad member from Minnesota has paid her husband, and not her brother husband, the other one, over a million dollars in campaign funds. This member is allowed on the Foreign Affairs Committee while praising terrorists. And then the cherry on top. My colleague and three-month presidential candidate from California, who is on the Intelligence Committee slept with Fang Fang, a Chinese spy. Let me say that again. A member of Congress who receives classified briefings was sleeping with the enemy. This is unacceptable. And this would never be... his time's expired. Gentleman from Florida. Um, Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Lauren Boebert uh, points to to Lauren Boebert right there. Uh, Yup. Yup. See, here's the thing, guys. Either... No one gets censured or everybody gets censured. That's the way that this has to work. Because here's the thing. She's correct. Congress is full of derelicts. Congress is full of people who not only say terrible things, but do terrible things. It is rather incredible that Eric Swallow retains his committee assignments, despite the fact that he was screwing a Chinese spy. That is kind of an amazing thing. Meanwhile, Ilhan Omar got very upset with Lauren Boebert for for mentioning not her brother husband, the other one. And she tweeted, luckily, my dad raised me right. Otherwise, I might have gone to the floor to talk about this insurrectionist who sleeps with a pervert. I, what, what I like there is where she flatters herself that her dad raised her right. Otherwise, I might have said this thing that I'm saying right now in a tweet. I'm grateful I was raised to be a decent human. That is not true. And not a deprived person who shamefully defecates and defiles the House of Representatives. You can't defecate the House of Representatives. You can defecate on the House of Representatives. Praise God. Uh-huh. So, first of all, uh, the, the thing that she's referencing there, sleeps with a pervert, is that her husband, not not Bobert, did anything wrong. Her husband was arrested for, like, uh, an indecent exposure a couple of years ago. But Ilhan Omar getting into family issues is real awkward. Like, real awkward. She's got a, a fall of the house of Usher thing going on in her own family. And uh, and not just that. Even if you put aside, the uh, as Lauren Bobert calls it, the alleged brother-husband, 
you will have to recall that she also did, in fact, pay a couple of million bucks to her current husband's firm. She was allegedly having an affair with her current husband while she was married with the last husband. She does have kids. She's a disaster of a human. Also, she is just a terrible Jew-hating anti-Semite who has never been, I mean, they, they, they thought about censoring her. They thought about at least saying something in Congress about her. And the Democrats are like, no, we'll just pass a resolution saying that all forms of hate are bad. By the way, Ilhan Omar still has no answer to the charges of anti-Semitism. She's asked by Chris Hayes about the Jewish community. And uh, she's like, I'm just not going to answer this. Obviously, you have a lot of Jewish folks in your district. You have a lot of synagogues. You have, it's a, a very vibrant Jewish world in the Twin Cities. What those relationships are like, what those conversations have been like, because I do know people that have pretty progressive politics that I do think um, have been offended or have questioned uh, your your heart on these matters. And I know that's happened in your district. I'm curious what those conversations have been like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think communities are not monolithic. You know, there's different ideologies people have. There's different perspectives in different places um, where, where people come from. And there are different relationships people have with me that sort of inform a positive reaction to anything I say or a negative reaction to anything that I say. I'm just going to sidestep that, that you hitting anti-Semitism right there. By the way, the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party still has Rashida Tlaib as a member in good standing. This is a person who hobnobs with pro-terror advocates openly. And Joe Biden was praising her yesterday, like not a year ago, yesterday. It's a spare me, the crocodile tears on the, oh my God, Paul Gosar put out an anime meme. It's all just posturing. It's all, you want to know why people hate politics? Because we all know that all these people are full of absolutely extraordinarily toxic levels of crap. They're all septic at this point. All righty. We'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content coming up soon. The Matt Wall Show airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, the Michael Moles Show, and the Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Post producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright, Daily Wire 2021. On The Matt Wall Show, we talk about the things that matter, real issues that affect you, your family, our country, not just politics, but culture, faith, current events, all the fundamentals. If they matter to you, come check out the show.